Welcome to Industry 4.0. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Industry 4.0. This is episode 28, and I am joined today happily by a full show. How's everybody going? How's everybody doing? I'm going great. <laughs> <laughs> I've never gone better, Matthew. I get too excited and I mess up my words. It's It's been one of those days. Um, but aside from that, we have a lot of stuff for today's show. We're going into a little bit of news about the FCC, um, some stuff about the HomePod, DJI, and then going into some news about Uber and Tesla and some things about batteries. So looks like we have a jam-packed episode for today. Um, but just to, to kind of jump into the first one, and I know we've talked about this uh, dozens of times, but we have some more news about the FCC, and it's looking like Agitpi isn't thankful for very much of the current state of the internet because he's going to be dropping some new regulations uh, around. Actually, it's the day before Thanksgiving is what the planned is. The yep. planned date is. Um, does anybody want to lead into this topic? And anybody want to talk about it? I know it's kind. Of, it can be polarizing to discuss the FCC, but it's something that we have to talk about. Not everybody else jump out at once. Wow. <laughs> um, well, I can go into it a little bit. So um, starting with the open meeting, the agency is going to be poised to approve or propose um, decisions that will deregulate consolidated industries. Um, so basically over the air broadcasting, um, like going into media ownership, it's going to be something that they're going to be stripping away. So um, they're going to start a vote with public content on the the reformed lifeline, which is a program that provides a small subsidy so that low-income Americans can afford broadband service. So it's looking like it's going to be a lot harder for um, Americans with meeting the lower um, wage bracket to get access to broadband internet, which I'm very against. I think that this is something that is basically a denial of information for people. The internet is an open service that I think, like we've talked about it before. Like if you lose your internet, some people are out of a job, like they need the internet to work. So um, secondly, he's going to eliminate the mechanism that encourages it. Um, so this is going to kind of drive the prices up on these broadband plans for everybody so it's going to make the market a lot more expensive for the consumer and it's a very anti-consumer decision which is something else that is also not good and this is this is a sign of of the administration um and Agipi has been notorious for having these types of opinions but it's something that we as constituents can say something about. So contacting your local congressman, because either way, this does have to go through Congress when proposed by Agipi, so it can still get blocked. Um, and it just brings into ties everything we've talked about with net neutrality. And I know, Ryan, I know you're passionate about net neutrality and open internet and keeping everything um, 
free and available to the masses. And I think this is something that is once again a threat to that. So, yeah, when they when they broke up the Bell monopolies like way back in the day, that was the original reasons they started bringing in regulations like this and had the FCC, you know, begin in the first place. And now it's gets guy edge pie is just going to tear it all to pieces and go, well, we want to bring back the monopolies essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's at yeah. the end of the day, that's what it's becoming. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's talks of Disney taking over Fox in the works, like a big merger, and they're gonna they're gonna play it up like, oh, well, we're gonna combine all the Marvel Universe characters into one one universe. Finally, everybody's like, oh yeah, we get to go see the movie with the X Men and Spider Man, same movie and everything. But on the back end, Disney will control most of the television. <laughs> right. It's like it's scary. They're just paving. They're opening the door for all these monopolies just to come in and take over. Right. I learned a couple of years ago that Disney actually owned ESPN. Of all yep. things, I had yeah, no idea yeah, and, and, until a couple of years <laughs> ago that they owned ESPN. But like, it's it's one thing, and I I understand the the more conservative viewpoint of the internet shouldn't be something that's regulated by the federal government. But when these policies simultaneously make it easier for the established companies to stay established, and harder for smaller companies to become established and to become stable enough to compete with these companies, then you could argue that it's kind of a catch-22 in that where you do need policy in order to kind of open this market up to other broadband companies. And as a result, people are going to see prices go up because they're deregulating this policy that's been longstanding and has prevented this from happening. So, I mean, we can we could talk about it all day, but it's something that is important and it's something that I think needs to be done. Um, just, a, but, just, just a note here on kind of what you're getting at with the merging of companies. Uh, an example would be this um, merger of Sinclair Broadcast uh, Group and Tribune Media. Right. So I'm just looking at some stuff here. Um, it's looking like it would give the company Sinclair, which is Baltimore-based, a total of 223 TV stations serving 108 markets, uh, which would be 39 of 50 of the local channels, and it covers about 72% of U.S. households. So, yeah, didn't uh, John Oliver did a, a, a segment on Sinclair Media mm-hmm. yeah. uh, where it shows that it's all paid for... Uh, pre-written um news segments right and then uh each local station just like has to run certain um news uh items just because it's part they're owned by the sinclair declares that yeah you have to run this since we own uh you and then they own a significant amount if they this this uh, rule passes then uh, those two uh big ones sinclair what was the other one can merge a tribune uh, tribune can merge together right and they'll have more power so that way it, in a way the once those two those two merge they could control what news gets presented to uh on on these uh, two people on these local channels right they can mandate that every single channel that they own um and every single sing, uh, local affiliate that they own has to run this story and whatever story that might be um could sway right the opinions of people in that area and that in in a way is controlling what news goes out 
and spreading a message that you think should be spread. Well, yeah, it's freedom uh, from the from those local stations to pick whatever uh, stories they want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's 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 just limiting the knowledge base of of the the consumer and it's the the entire population for that matter. I mean, you take it, it, you know, we talked on a lot of times about how we think that broadcast is on its way down and Internet's the way of the future. But there is still a huge majority of the population that gets their information from watching television, listening to radio, etc., who aren't as into the Internet as you know, things may go there eventually, but they're not there yet. Right. And if you take that message and narrow it and make it one dimensional and it's delivered across every single medium that you have, instead of having these different opinions, that's where you get a one track minded nation. I mean, it's kind of just it's it's it seems extreme on the surface, but you're dumbing down America by doing something like this all all for the sake of money in your pocket. Exactly. And on, On top of that, with the Internet in general, you know, you get some mom pop shops trying to show up on the Internet and or say somebody comes up with a really ingenuitive new idea. They come out there with their small business like they're trying to expand. And one of these big guys comes in and is like, I like your idea. I'm going to copy it and I'm going to sue the hell out of you if you want to, you know, go somewhere with it. Because uh, <laughs> now not only do we control your access to the Internet and the access to selling your, your goods, you know, basically that most things are sold through the Internet these days. We're going to control your access, we're going to limit it, and then we're just going to, we could steal your idea potentially and just do it better. Right. And I'm actually reading uh, the open commission meeting from the 16th of November, and um, the reconsideration of broadcast ownership rules is just one of probably eight or nine points that they had brought up. And one of these points was um, blocking unlawful robocalls, which it's a good thing that that's being discussed. But my point that I'm going to make is that this is probably all going to be bundled into one law when it's proposed. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see the surface level. Oh my God, look, they're going to pass this law for blocking robocalls when under the surface, they're completely stripping the rights of broadcast ownership and kind of, and making life harder for smaller companies and for the consumer as we know it. And the fact that it's bundled in with, blocking robocalls that's going to get the articles and guess what Not, Matt? <laughs> what the, the places you're going to hear about it are news outlets which are owned by companies and people who back the passing right. of this so there right. you go you already have it in the works and it's just going to get worse mm-hmm. so if you look at agit Pai himself he was a lobbyist for verizon before he became the fcc chairman so mm-hmm. that was the that was true about tom wheeler too right and then he kind of fully 180'd yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But I mean like yeah, Agipai is just the the evil villain that we all expected. This guy's only he's, to be. he's only forty four <laughs> years old. Yeah. I don't know. That's don't, for some reason that's that fishy. That's, fi- you. <laughs> <laughs> that's fishy to me. I don't know how you get to that position of power at forty four. Yeah. I don't know. If you guys haven't seen uh the show The Newsroom on uh, on HBL, that is for real life going to happen if if all these things continue to go in this direction where all of a sudden just people are going to be like, you know what? We're tired of sending your message. We're going to send our own message. It's going to go viral and they're going to get shut down and like sued and all this crazy amount of stuff because people are going to get tired of it. There's people who get into this business to inform people, especially producers, especially lead anchors on national news. A lot of times it's not about, I mean, well, it's partly about ego, obviously, but part of it is about like, 
I, I know how to deliver the news. I know how to give it to these people the way that it should be heard. And I'm going to do that. And when you have, I mean, obviously there's so many, uh, so many companies pushing their own agendas and you're, you're going to be part of that. There's not a whole, a whole lot of what you would call neutral news outlets, but in that show, they really had a moment where they decided we're going to go against the grain and do what we want to do and do our show the way we're going to, even if the ratings aren't there. Cause we feel like this is the thing that we're supposed to do mm-hmm. as responsible journalists, responsible news gatherers and providers. And it, you could see that. I mean, it would be more likely that something like that would happen on the internet and it doesn't have as much of a chance to go viral, but imagine all of a sudden you tune in one day and it's just boom, 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 boom. They're giving you everything straight until someone pulls the plug. That's going to make an impact. And that's really the only way to slow stuff like this down is, is for more people to step outside of the box and, and to take risks and to not listen. I, I mean, yeah, they could go with the next guy up mentality, but if you, if enough people push back something, that's the only way something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah, <laughs> kind of, you know, doing just a quick uh, lightening of the mood transition here. Uh, you know, you noted that that that's coming up right before Thanksgiving. Uh, that that um, uh, a draft of the order is coming out on the day before Thanksgiving, uh, right. which is when people eat turkey. And uh, Amazon now, you know, with the acquiring of Whole Foods, is kicking off a rewards program with Whole Foods. So if you're if you're interested in getting some some organic turkey from Whole Foods, Whole Foods, you can get a fifty cent discount with a Prime membership. So this is kind of like the first rollout of that, you know, the the benefits of that merger for Prime customers and people who coincidentally shop at Whole Foods, uh, other foods involved in that too. So this is an interesting direction. Now we're going to see what they're really going to do with this uh, change in the landscape of the the grocery store kind of market. Yeah, because they initially, when they first got bought, when Amazon first bought Whole Foods, they went through a whole reducing of the price of certain items. And now it's they're offering specifically just for, that was for everyone, that, that reduction in the price of certain uh, food items. But now they're specifically going after Prime members uh, that they now get uh, cheap turkey at Whole Foods. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so now... Pe- Amazon just keeps piling on extra, extra stuff to that. What is it now? $99 a year prime service. What are their margins I, on that? <laughs> um, I don't think they care. Honestly, I don't think they care because they figure that since you have prime, you're just going to buy so much stuff on Amazon that they're going to make it back on. Yeah. Um, and and Amazon has never been about margins. They're one of the companies with the lowest margins in um, in the industry. Like it's it's crazy how low because they reinvest all the money uh, that they make uh, every quarter back into the business. So the mm-hmm. profits always look low, but um, they're making money hand over fist. Yeah, look at yeah. look at that yeah. company. <laughs> A lot of those profits come from Amazon Web Servers too. Yeah. Right. Amazon right. web service, I should say. Right. Yeah. Web services. Um, that, I mean, it, it seems like simple math, but the more diverse items you sell, the less, I mean, you, you can take less of a margin on, on a lot of things. You can undercut a lot of people that way. Uh, I mean, it's obvious to us, but it's something you don't even think about if you're not in that realm or not thinking about it where, you know, they sell everything imaginable. They can 
take a loss on a turkey for a couple months. Like it's not that big a deal to them. <laughs> yeah, especially when their biggest competition is Walmart, who's notorious for doing that to mm-hmm. other businesses. So they're just yeah. kind of giving them a taste of their own medicine. Pretty much. You guys taste of their own turkey. Yeah. Uh, do you think that something like this will incentivize people to sign up for Prime who haven't, who aren't already signed up? I mean, that's because like, hey, yeah. if you sign up for Prime, you get extra discounts in the store um that you're probably already shopping at and then you also get free two-day shipping on everything in and amazon oh. and on video and unlimited photo storage and yeah. amazon I def- music can, yeah. I can i say so. as a current prime user i have access to all that stuff and i'd never care <laughs> it's always about like i like, can i get the two-day shipping okay there we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah i'm, in, I'm, in I'm sitting here prime membership i haven't yet to redeem a single thing from I have, the prime benefits i've <laughs> not opened membership. amazon music once yeah, I don't even know what the interface looks like. We got music. I'd never open. I don't know. The extent of it was Man in the High Castle. That was the extent of my Amazon. Yeah, it's really good. I watched a couple things on Amazon Video, but that's about it. Um, Yeah, I focus on the shipping as well. I think that if you Um, tell if you tell people though, like, I don't know, maybe you're not in love with your local grocery store, or you see that turkey's 50 cents off a pound and you're getting a 10 pound turkey, you're like, ah, it's five bucks, like, you know, I figure I could save a ton in a year for paying a hundred dollars, why not do it, especially if, if you don't have Netflix or something already and you need a video streaming service, I don't know, that's, that's pretty decent, uh, especially for, I'm thinking of, uh, a little bit older age group in general, maybe that's not so like up to speed on streaming as maybe our generation is. Uh, I could see things like that going a long way with that that group there. Um, and, you know, the shipping and buying through Amazon itself too is a wormhole as we all know. Yeah, this already, every time Amazon announces something with Whole Foods, some kind of deal, uh, all the competitors' uh, stock prices took a take take a dip. It's hurt, <laughs> definitely hurting uh, their hopeful competitors. So as soon as Amazon announced this um, deal, the stock price of Kroger, Target, Costco, and Walmart all uh, dipped right after uh, the fact. So the, the, I mean, they're definitely even the the stock market is definitely feeling. They're worried what could even what could be the potential of this even further down the line. I think Amazon just right now is just playing around slowly and then to see what they could probably do. But I think they're waiting to launch something uh, big. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, there's also um, while you're at while you're at Whole Foods shopping for your groceries, you can uh, take a look at the list and you'll see looking for your Applegate hot dogs and then you're like, oh, wow, Apple, whatever happened to that HomePod? And then you're like, oh, <laughs> it's delayed. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, the HomePod has been delayed until 2018. I, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist that one. I saw that and I just had to go for I it. I didn't know but, where you were going with that, but yeah. <laughs> you do you, Matt. <laughs> it's been delayed until 2018, so. Yeah. They said it was going to be December, I thought was the initial announcement, but. Yeah, so in yeah. June they had WWDC, which they announced that they're going to release this speaker in December of this year, and then Apple just announced that they're going to delay it to 2018. Uh, mm-hmm. They're going to mix mix miss the big uh, holiday shopping yeah. season mm-hmm. uh, which i think could be huge but 
I know that Apple would rather take a hit and not get the rush of the, the holiday shopping season and get it right or whatever reason that they're delaying software, hardware, whatever it is that they're trying to figure out. Um, yeah, I think they're just working to make that product worth I wonder, $50, right? To make it good. Yeah, like yeah. Ima imagine any of these companies like Amazon or Google as well, like releasing their that, that smart speaker device for the first time right before the holiday rush or during it. Like mm -hmm. yeah. that's that's a nail biter and a half. Like I wouldn't want to do that either. Uh, if, and like you said, if they're not ready for whatever reason, it is it is smart to wait. Although obviously they're gonna be missing out on a lot of business, and a lot of people are be, gonna be getting Echoes and Google Homes as as a result. I would think instead, especially, yeah, especially if the Google Home Max comes out when it's slated to, which is before the end of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah. Google's going to potentially beat Apple to the market with the first high-end assistant-enabled speaker. So it's more expensive, which I never thought that an app, a Google product would be more expensive than an Apple product. But right, it is. But if it's good, if it's as good as they're showing yeah. it from the early demos, then this that that combined it, with the assistant can just blow this out of the water. It definitely could. Plus, it has a more open ecosystem. So with the HomePod, you can only play Apple Music. So if you don't use Apple Music, you're like, okay, what music do I listen to on this? Right. And also, like at that point, what's another fifty dollars for if you're if you're in this price bracket for a speaker? What's another yeah. fifty bucks to get a huge advantage with the Home Max? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. multiple streaming services, you can. Uh, it does the home, smart home stuff, and then Google mm -hmm. Assistant is uh miles ahead of anything that siri can do so um yeah. that's that's a fact that's not me talking as a google fanboy i'm sorry but that's a fact google mm -hmm. is way better than siri um, i wonder it's going to be an expensive holiday season season even without apple yeah. releasing their home pod on time oh yeah so but another, just, uh, yeah, i know yeah. i talk go ahead go ahead nope I was gonna transition, but one of you go. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's um, it's it's nice to see a company take the time to get it right. Um, like mm -hmm. you said, this is a huge miss not getting out before the holiday. A huge missed opportunity. But like we've learned from things in the past, I mean, even the small things that happened with the Pixel when you when you rush to get to market to meet that date to to satisfy the investors and the date and the marketing and all that stuff you can run into issues, even if they're minor, some obviously like Xbox 360, we saw in the past, huge major issues. When you are rushing tech and it's not right and you have to put out online updates, people are mad. Yeah. You get a bad taste in your mouth for that product and you start to sour on that branding. And they're one of their biggest things is, hey, we do it right. Uh, you know, it, it might be more expensive and it might be just shiny and gray, but we do it right. And they they're going to continue that trend and miss out on a huge opportunity, which I actually applaud them for because they could have easily done it, put it out in whatever shape it's in, gotten a ton of holiday sales. You wouldn't even find out about the issues until early 2018 because they would probably uh, be Christmas gifts on on most, uh, most accounts. And they decided to forego all that, forego all the headaches and make sure they had it right. I mean, it's just, it, again, I talked about it two weeks ago. It's, it's it's a good move by a business instead of the the money grab it's a smart move right i think that's why they delayed the airpods too when they were supposed to launch 
um and when those and finally shipped people were like when are you going to release them when are you going to release them when they finally shipped people raved about them and and it seems like they got those right everybody um uh, not everybody but a lot most people love uh, their airpods um uh, another thing that Apple announced back in June was the iMac Pro, and a piece of news came out this week uh, on 9to5Mac that uh, certain people were poking around, um, um, digging through um, some information, um, uh, and they found hints that the new iMac Pro, which is the, supposed to be the most powerful a Mac ever made is supposed to have a uh, A10 Fusion chip in it. And the A10 Fusion chip is uh, what was used a couple generations back in the iPad. So there's certain um, people are, are speculating what could that be used for. Um, I know there's been a lot of talks or rumors of uh, perhaps Apple eventually transitioning away from uh their from intel uh in their laptops um uh, because if you look at the benchmarks that the latest app imac pro or uh, ipad pro uh are put putting out they're in a lot of cases faster than uh an entry-level macbook pro running an intel uh i5 processor which is uh, kind of crazy um so their first initial uh, guess or looking at hints is it might be used for uh, hey siri detect detection uh, trigger on the mac itself so you just say hey siri and um, launch uh, launch siri and ask her questions um, but we don't know for sure if it's actually going to be in the um, actual imac or what else it could possibly be used for because the a10 fusion is pretty powerful chip so much. I don't know if anyone else has any yes. Well, one thing that I that stuck out to me just now, I um, not even a hundred percent on topics. Sorry, ahead of time, but um, what you just said, where it seems like they might be transitioning away from Intel for whatever reason. When you said transition, it triggered uh, something in a commercial that I heard for an iPad earlier, where a kid's playing on the iPad and a parent says, "Oh," or a relative says, "Oh, that's such a that's such a cool laptop you have." And he said, and the kid goes, "Oh, what's a laptop?" And I was like, are, are, maybe they're transitioning away from like, why on earth would they do that? But why would they transition away from the MacBook? And then you said that they're using stuff that they use in the iPads in the MacBook, potentially transitioning from something. It made me think of that right away. Hmm. Um, that, that's not something that they would ever do, right? Like you think that they would, do you think they're in a rush to get away from, from the, the traditional MacBook and they're just going to, you know, kind of do like the hybrid, like with the iPad? Um, I don't know if they want to ditch the entire laptop market, but they are looking to see if they can put more power efficient chips in there and intel has been working hard to get more power efficient chips in there to get better battery life while also maintaining performance but they're nothing cl as close as arm chips can do mm -hmm. um that are huh. in iphones and the imac or ipads right um, in in this article i'm getting confused <laughs> in in this article, um, there's actually some pretty good uh, quotes from. They reference several tweets yeah. that are potential ideas for what this could be, and um, they were saying, uh, some people are saying that it looks like it could be kind of blended in with the security processes and with the boot OS of the of the OS. 
Um, it could be maybe used as like a cache or something to boot faster. Um, that's just kind of me expanding on that. Yeah, it has five megabytes of RAM on its own that it can. Right. Yeah. So that being said, also, um, yeah, this other tweet towards the bottom by um, Steve Trout and Smith, he was saying the A10, the iMac might always be running even when Mac OS is shut down. So it could be a passive listening device or something along those lines. Ooh, interesting. That's so, that's yeah, it's fun. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of things you could do with an ARM chip embedded into a CPU like that, if, depending on where you want to use it. And even more, since it's not a portable device, it's always plugged in. It's a desktop computer, right? So you can yeah. have it running twenty four seven. Even though, and even if you do, it's not going to pull that much power. Mm-hmm. The most people won't even notice that. It's- Hopefully, they don't use it to DRM their computers even further, <laughs> <laughs> and have any kind of tighter lock on their hardware. Yeah, so these are already hard enough to repair as it is. Uh, not even facial recognition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh, these guys, uh, yeah, they provided some in- informative tweets. It seems like they're pretty smart guys, at least virtually. What do you guys think they're like outside of Twitter? You think they're the same kind of guys? Uh, enough to get their verification removed? I don't know. Well, that's that's the, the recent story here is that Twitter is starting to judge its uh, users on and off the field, so to speak. Uh, so yeah. it's looking like this stems down to, uh, you know, looking at some, some uh, risque... Twitter accounts, uh, maybe even a recreated uh, Twitter account. Uh, it's noted here in this article that it's actually uh, about a white supremacist named Jason Kessler, um, who had his account verified last week, um, and he deleted his previous account, which had a- offensive comments on it, which uh, broke Twitter's rules. Now he has a new account. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's actually breaking Twitter's rules. However, because he's or- uh, organizing a hate march. Twitter is unverifying his account for this reason. Um, so it looks like Twitter is going to be kind of assessing their their users and their handles, um, not only for how they behave when using Twitter, but also what kind of lives they lead and what kind of social influence they have. Um, this is definitely an important story. What do you guys think? Trying to crack down on some bad hombres. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't like it. I think it's kind of an overstep. I think like initial reason why Twitter came out with the verified flag is to verify that. Yes, that's the real person actually talking. It's irrelevant of what they say It's just, yep. If this person is tweeting this, then if you see the, uh, the check mark or whatever it is uh, next to their name, then, you know, yep, it's not a fake account. But, it's not a parody account. It's actually that person saying it. But hang but on. But now Twitter's going on further than that and, and, and judging or deciding who. Uh, I don't know. Well, hang on. Do So, Irvin, you tweet. Do you have a verified uh, thing next to your account name? No, but, but why but, would I? Well, you're I, the I, real Irvin. The reason what? you don't have it is because you're not like a public figure, right? Right. So that's kind of, I think, where they're going with this is, you know, when you go to add people on Facebook, I'm not sorry, on Twitter, if you're looking for maybe someone of interest to follow or someone who already has a lot of followers, you're going to look for the check mark to see famous people. I think that's what a lot of people are drawn to follow. So I think maybe that's what this is about more than anything. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, 
but at the same time, I kind of agree with Urban. And my second point was going to be, I don't see how removing verification um, detracts from their ability to use the social media service as it is. Like, I don't, I'm not sure what what it does to aside from making it harder to prove that it's actually that person i don't know what they're accomplishing by it i find it it's like really weird that they're doing it yeah it seems like almost like they're trying to classify personality types Mm -hmm. it's like all right we can we're using machine learning to to see what they write all the time and they're like all right we're going to base their personality type off of this it's not as much verification like how hard is it what do they currently do to verify i'm not aware unfortunately i'm not a big twitter buff so I, I tried it. You have to submit um, some kind of a bunch of personally identifiable information and like five or, or four or five different links to things that um, empirically prove you are who you are. Okay. So like I, I so, tried it with like my Facebook, my website, um, stuff like that. And I didn't get approved. I think it's just because I'm not a public figure is why I wasn't approved. But right. You have to like submit multiple sources of evidence on who you are. Or sometimes if you reach out to Twitter, they'll verify your account. Because I think there's been some cases where people have like created a bunch of accounts with similar names to them and been like, hey, can you verify me so people know that I am who I am and like not these guys? And well, Twitter has done it. It says here in the article we have in our show notes that, you know, they use the verification program to authenticate the identities of high profile Twitter users. But that changed in January 2016, so um, almost two years ago. They stripped this guy who's a far-right with uh, individual with a uh, history of provoking people. They took away his badge because, and it made it seem like it's basically like an endorsement from Twitter, saying like, okay, you're good in our book. So I think mm-hmm. that's what this is about more than anything. Yeah. I just feel like that if um, if I had an opinion against someone who had their verification or verified status stripped then i would be less informed on where to go to express that directly to that person so that's that's where i come from with my standpoint and in that i feel like it's an interesting way to handle this situation i mean i'm all for uh, punishing people from verified hate organizations and um, getting rid of hate speech as a thing and making it harder for their message to get out but I just kind of question the method of judging people outside of the internet, which is the core of, of this discussion is just, can you take something they do off of your website and punish them on your website for it? Hmm. Unless it's empirically illegal. It can be hate, but if it's, yeah. if as long as you're not like selling drugs and like posting photos of it on Twitter, like, that's uh, it's getting into a dangerous gray area yeah like kind of like a a weird censorship kind of area and Mm -hmm. very big brother-esque 1984 yeah i just like i get maybe it'll prevent other people from following in the future maybe maybe they're gonna do the recommendations on who to follow based more on the blue check uh, in the future than it is now but like if i follow xyz celebrity or public figure and then they do something stupid offline but i still love their tweets if that blue check's gone i'm not gonna all of a sudden unfollow them so you're like maybe you're preventing the message from spreading but if you have 97k followers already what's that what's that matter what does it do i i, just, I don't get the 
I'll yeah. get to the point. Well, that's people, that's, like, yeah. just using current events as, as an example, I guess people still follow uh, Ezekiel Elliott, right? Yeah. No. It's not going to change. Like It's not going to change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Didn't you know. change before the suspension. Didn't change the first time it got pushed through. Didn't change the second time it got pushed through. Didn't change now. Like, <laughs> right. He still did what he did. He still got suspended, and the mm-hmm. same amount of people still follow. So this kind of like... It's nothing he said, but... Is this kind of like him. Twitter balking then? Like kind of having like... Like they're showing that they're judging people outside of just their service, and they're also not really doing anything by judging them this way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, at what point do they just strip it because they want to? It's a good question. Know. Because that's kind of what this is. Like, yeah. someone was just like, "I don't like that guy. I'm gonna make it harder for him to Twitter." Right? Did he just talk trash on Twitter? <laughs> He's getting wait. <laughs> Off Twitter. <laughs> Hold on. Hold the phone. I don't support this. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's yeah. weird. Interesting yeah. direction. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You know what I else mean, is weird? You're oh, going to take yeah. verified checks away from people who are actual public figures. And then I know a dude who had one of his tweets at LeVar Ball go viral. And his his followers went from 1,000 to 8,000 in a day. And he got a blue check. So, I mean, he's he's a dude from South Philly who writes about Philly sports, who's not on the national media, who isn't on the radio, who doesn't have a voice anywhere except for the internet and Twitter. And it's hitting less than 9,000 people a day. And he has a blue check. So, mm-hmm. I mean, go ahead and get rid of XYZ dudes. Yeah, I'm going to keep using XYZ the whole episode. XYZ dudes, blue check. Uh, who has 97,000 followers and is still going to get that message out to all those people and keep this guy, South Philly sports writer who graduated from Penn, who had a funny tweet once. Get that guy a blue check stat. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But what I was going to say was something else that is weird is when you go to submit a bug to a bug bounty, but instead you get direct threats from the company. Um, so what I am getting into is DJI, um, Ryan, I know you're vaguely familiar with that company <laughs> and its products. Just uh, their company for those who are less informed than, than Ryan, um, uh, is a company <laughs> that manufactures the popular phantom brand of drones. Not so a company, a Chinese company. I think yes. it's important to state that. It okay. Is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what happened was they found a security error um, and had begun after beginning to probe their systems under their bug bounty program, which was announced in August. But um, he got increasing pushback from the company. And I'm reading uh, directly from the article. Um, he got pushback from the company, including a threat of charges under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. So they refused to offer any protection against legal action under their final offer for the data. So he dropped the program and just published his findings publicly yesterday. Um, yesterday, as of the publishing of this article, which is the 17th of November. Um, and he walked away from $30,000 because the company threatened legal action because of a bug. Right. So, so they publicly opened a bug bounty program. So like, hey, come find bugs for us and we'll give you a reward if you do. This guy did that and... Uh, they're threatening him with charges. So it's like mm-hmm. the guy's like, nah, I'm just gonna publish this finding because this is some shady stuff yeah. Uh, yeah. that you guys are doing. 
Uh, and some of this information that he got access to was uh, flight log data, images uploaded by DJI customers, including photos of government IDs, driver licenses, and passports. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of the data included flight logs from accounts associated with the gov- with government and military domains. Um, mm-hmm. They, um, I don't know if you mentioned this, but they opened this a bug bounty program right after shortly after the u.s army issued a ban on using dji drones for any military purpose due to quote-unquote operational security concerns yeah this was just back in september they released this bug bounty program Mm -hmm. and this guy finished here he once he started finding these server bugs and he was able to see all these these photo ids and things they they, that's when they said because he was reporting all these findings he had an ongoing string with one of their um their representatives and every found them on the server, they they kind of realized it seems like that this was a major breach, and they're just like, oh, like what do we do now? So then they they kind of threw up a flag like, oh, you're not supposed to be looking at our servers, like that's not part of our bug bounty program. Like they threw it in way late in the game, and there was nothing about it in the beginning. And then they tried to bring it against him for that, because it's it's almost like they panicked. They panicked. It was a major. It's a major bug. Mm-hmm. They had public yeah. accounts on their servers. It's like that one. Um, Star Wars quote where he's like, I've altered the agreement, pray I do not, or he's like, I've altered the arrangement, pray I do not alter it further, kind of a thing. Where like, <laughs> right, he right. they like just he's like, Oh, we got this bug bounty program. He finds a bug, they're like, No, 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 that's not a bug. You're gonna get arrested. <laughs> that doesn't count, that doesn't work. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, but um, we'll get out of there. <laughs> Apparently, they're all from North Dakota now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so they um they tried to they just gave him a final offer and were like get out of our servers and if like if you want to get your your bugs published publicly this is how you get your bugs published publicly and i don't know this is no hungarian hacking scheme this is it's not, it's not nearly as bulletproof as that train system <laughs> so each day, uh, DJI offered an official statement uh, saying that DJI investigating that reported unauthorized access to one of the DJI servers containing personal information submitted by our users. Um, uh, they say, yeah, we continue to protect your privacy, blah, 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 blah. Uh, <laughs> so everyone says, right, legalese. <laughs> uh, they stated that uh, today a hacker who obtained some of this personal post data posted online his confidential communication with DJ employees about his attempts to claim a bug bounty from the DJI security response. Center. Like that's in quotes. To claim a bug bounty. <laughs> As if they never had a bug bounty program to begin with. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I call him a hacker, but he contacted uh and their dji directly for this bug bounty and they in turn threatened him with a lawsuit and he's like yeah i'm just gonna publish this uh because this no no, no, he he was in contact with one of the representatives for a chain that was 130 emails long so they they threatened him after that (laughs) that's like that's like saying hey we'll pay you to be to like be a hacker and then you're a hacker and they're like we're gonna sue you yeah, it's, it's like, like, oh, you're a hacker? What? <gasps> yeah. Uh, the bug, bug submissions through the bug bounty program's official email address were shut down as of yesterday. Uh, this article was published on the 17th. So on the 16th, 
uh, that uh, bug bounty program was shut down uh, nice. temporarily or for I don't know how long. Um, we'll see. It's weird um, that they spelled through T H R U in their official email. It, saying? You said the bug bounty program got shut down. I don't think it existed to begin with, apparently. It was a facade. Yeah, it's, it's a bait and switch is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's $30,000. Never mind, you're arrested. Yeah, claims that he paid out thousands of dollars to almost a dozen researchers since the program was launched. Mm. Yeah. Says you can still submit bugs through their security webpage if anyone is so inclined out there. Not yeah. that I'm guessing there's many takers, considering you'll probably get called a hacker. Yeah. <laughs> you might get your blue check taken away too. You don't want to. That's true. That's true. Either that, or make sure that the email that you're using them from contains a profile picture of you wearing a white hat. When you... <laughs> that's a good so point. They get, the, they get the the visual as well as the the literal metaphor of you being a white hat hacker. Yes. A white hat, but only a white hat. Yes. Uh, if it's a gray hat, yeah, make it real interesting. interesting. Yeah. No shirt, no shoes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go in that far, but I'm going to leave it up to whoever wants to get no, into this email chain. Can I talk about one thing real quick in the article? And it's definitely me just nitpicking about absolutely nothing, and you all are going to hate me for bringing it up. But uh, in his letter that he writes, someone explained this phrasing to me because I've never enjoyed it. He says, no less than four lawyers told me in various ways that the agreement was not only externally, excuse me, extremely risky, but it was likely crafted in bad faith. No less than four lawyers. What did you ask? Like 10, but four of them were like, dude, that looks like a trap. Don't do that. Or you should like, no less than four of them. (laughs) This is between somewhere. At least four. He didn't say four. He said no less than four lawyers. <laughs> Nine out of ten lawyers disagree or disagree with this idea. Maybe it How was many, like what somewhere. What did the other lawyers say? It could have been between four and like a hundred lawyers, and he has kept. He lost count after four. He's like, well, <laughs> one, two. Yeah. Four. I don't know. There's four. Yeah. There was four of them. That's how I that. Got the four emails to prove it. That's how At those least. toothpaste commercials work too. <laughs> what, Irvin? He probably. No, no. All right. One thing I got to say about DJI, though, as a as a customer, um, is that their hardware is is amazing and their software is garbage, like absolute, <laughs> just horrible, horrible stuff. <laughs> I'm not. This doesn't surprise me at all. But if you accidentally find a bug, make sure you keep that to yourself. Yeah, apparently, I'm gonna keep it on the run. <laughs> Post it on Twitter. They must <laughs> only find blue check, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they must have the same programming team as uh, OnePlus. Oh. Maybe. It's all just one giant, giant Chinese programming uh, group that's all working on crappy software together. <laughs> yeah, are they, uh, are they, they based both. out of Helsinki? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> nah. But <laughs> with that being said, <laughs> I think... Uh, Unless anybody has any closing topics on on this, if you would like to speak your mind now. Otherwise, I think that's the end of the first half. I think we can call it. No less than five of us will be back in the second half. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly wearing white hats. Time will tell. (laughs) 
we'll have a blue checks to confirm that you can see why you know it's really us i'll have my i'll have my <laughs> button at any me. point can remove our blue check true mm. yeah. yes right. so yeah so <laughs> with that being said uh we will see you guys in the next half Welcome back. Second half of episode 28 of Industry 4.0. Joined by no less than four other people who are on this podcast. <laughs> I told you I was going to use it. Still got it. Um, <laughs> we, we appreciate you guys checking into the second half. Uh, if you are watching us live on Twitch right now, you know the address that you're at. If you're not and you want to watch us live in the future, because let me tell you, it's entertaining stuff. You can go to twitch.tv slash industry 4.0, all sped out. So it's F-O-U-R-O-H. Um, if you want to see what awesome social media presence we have, you can check us out on Facebook and Twitter, both facebook.com or twitter.com slash industry 4.0. Again, all spelled out. We also do, uh, uh, we have our Twitch streams embedded on Facebook, so you can also watch us live on Facebook if you don't want to go to Twitch or download the new app. Um, if you are listening to us in audio form, you're either listening to us on iTunes or Google Play. You can catch us on there. Industry 4.0. If you search that, you'll find us. We are the white symbol with the black and green gears. Big number four in the bottom left-hand corner. And, of course, got to shout out our our, our hosting site, uh, industry40.podbean.com. Podbean, uh, obviously, being the, the site that hosts us. Uh, I mean, that's all the ways to to hear us and hear what we have to say after the fact. But for all those people listening live, let's get right into it. I know that one thing that I like to see live it's like you people like to see us live. I like to see how much money I'm going to spend live. And Uber finally giving us a little bit of insight into that uh, with their new scheduled rides feature. As long as you schedule a ride at least an hour ahead of time. So if you get an hour ahead of time, they will. What your price is going to be lot and you are able to lock that in uh, as long as you obviously get the ride. So I don't know how exciting this is for you guys. Um I haven't used the scheduled ride features. Mine's usually like I walk outside and go, let's get that Uber now. Um, but for people who are constantly on the go, especially in the business world, um, Irvin, you might be able to touch better on this than, than some of us. Um, how, how big of a deal is this? How important is this to you? Yeah, I've used the schedule feature a couple of times when I need to get up early um, to make sure I get to an airport where I'm traveling somewhere. I need to catch a plane. Um, I scheduled the ride to ensure that it gets to me on time so I have enough time to get to the airport. Uh, so I time it correctly. And I've noticed, yeah, it wasn't showing up. I didn't know how much it was going to cost uh, for that ride. 
until the, actually the, they picked who was going to be. They showed my dri Uber driver and uh, they showed me that it was on, my, on the way to pick me up. Um, so it's very useful. So you can actually judge now. Okay, this you can expect now what about what you might uh, have to pay or not a, about, but exactly what you might have to pay um, if you do go through. Uh, it's very useful for sure. I'm not sure why I didn't have it till now, but what was preventing them from implementing something like this? It's just to show. I don't know if how how it affects like you know in certain cities they have surge pricing. Like, does that take into account if you schedule ahead of time during surge yeah, hours? Yeah. Or I don't know. I I would have thought it was you know related to how many available drivers there are, how many people are hailing Ubers at that time, like where the driver is exactly located in relation to where you are, if they accept your ride. Uh, those those are what, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. That's what came to mind. I use it like you for rides to the airport and back generally. Um, and I'm a big fan of scheduling my ride. Um, so if you're using cash or something like that for this, um, uh, it's definitely going to be useful to know how much you're going to be paying exactly ahead of time. Um, I'm not like, you know, bouncing off the walls with excitement about this, but I think like you said, it's overdue and I, I mean, it's, it makes sense that they're doing this now. Right. You were saying that you think you're wondering what it took them so long to add this now. I think that's literally it. Like they could have just forgotten, like they implemented the scheduling feature and they're like, oh yeah, it might also be helpful if people knew what they were paying up front before they had this ride. Well, so. I, I think the big thing before was they wanted to take into account their surge pricing still. So they give you an, uh, it used to be they would give you an estimate and that way in case it was a random surge and they got super busy, they could still get that bonus money. Well, now they, now it's, you know, I think a, a, a measure of good faith trying to get people back onto them instead of lift. It's, it's like, Hey, look, if you're a business person, guess what? Are going to tell you exactly how much. So you can plan out your entire day, including money and everything. Like you know what you can bill and all this. Uh, it's it's a small move. It's not a major move, but you know it's they went from giving an estimate to hopefully you know if there is a surge they might get more money out of you to now they guarantee it. It's a it's a measure of good faith I think to get some back. Uh, excuse me, get back some goodwill from the public. It's weird reporting good things about Uber. It's good though. It is. That's maybe their point exactly. <laughs> hey man, around the cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I like it. It's a good change. It's a welcome change. And while you're scheduling your rides with uh, those Ubers, uh, the next car that might come pick you up will, will probably won't have a driver in it. Um, Uber uh, announced plans to buy up up to twenty four thousand self driving cars from Volvo. Um, it is a non binding framework deal that could offer uh, Uber um, autonomous driving uh, vehicles. Um, and get that fleet uh, rolling out uh, to get, I guess, get rid of the for Uber drivers. <laughs> they can big, keep keep bigger cut of the Uber fare. Um, not sure how Uber drivers uh, like that idea, uh, but um, it sort of turns Uber into a taxi kind of service. Or you could just summon a taxi uh, at any point and just come picks you up without anyone driving. These are nice SUVs too. Yeah, they're uh, XC90 uh, SUVs. Um, yeah, I'm looking they, at the pictures of them right now. They're really nice. They're it's a non-exclusive deal, so um, it means that uh, 
Volvo can also offer the same type of technology to um, cars with the technology built in to other um, people as well. But uh, Uber said that they will also put their own tech on top of it uh, to enhance it. So might offer some kind of edge over someone else who might be partnering with Volvo as well. Uh, using the same type of vehicle which could be it's interesting a, it's a good choice for um the type of car i think you know Volvo has a, a like a sterling reputation for its safety features so i think that that's going to be uh comforting to passengers of uber right and it, uber or it's uh volvo as a company too we were reporting on them earlier a few episodes back about how they're switching over to all electric and now this push for self-driving it's good to see that a large automaker is at the forefront of pushing this kind of technology into services like Uber and into cities that are that could this could potentially be deployed anywhere um, with pending the tech being good enough and the deals they can make. So this is exciting. I'm actually looking forward to this, and I think that um, it would be awesome to see one of these in Philadelphia. Um, I know that they had been testing um, cars for more than a year with. Uh, cities like uh, Tampa, Arizona, and Pittsburgh. So I think that's, and I've heard people who I used to go to college with who have seen and been in those cars in Pittsburgh. So, and they said it was pretty cool when you get a free ride just because it's new technology. But I'm, I'm personally very excited for this. That actually concerns me a little bit because it even says here in the article the self driving system that would be used in the Volvo cars, which is yet to be built, is still under development by Uber's advanced technologies team. So it's not like they're buying patents from Google or they're buying patents from Tesla or somebody who already works on like semi-autonomous cars. They're just going to build it from the ground up. And yeah. Or you can just steal the patent the from Waymo. Yeah. Or from Waymo. <laughs> True. <laughs> Too soon. They're trying to push hard to develop something because they're losing money hand over fist every single quarter. Mm-hmm. And they have to turn things around because they're, I think their ultimate goal is to dry, to cut all drivers out of the equation and right. the entire cut of that uh, uber um price um when you when you get an uber uh 100% last quarter they lost uh more than 600 million dollars just in one quarter wow uh, which is crazy yep well it's a good thing they're pairing with volvo and as the article goes on to mention it's one of Sweden's largest manufacturers by revenue, and it's forecast a fourth straight year of record sales. So I think if anybody can pull Uber out of this, it's Volvo. Yep. But on the contrary, like you said earlier, it's not a exclusive deal. So they could turn around and say, hey, this was lucrative for us. We're going to go and give the same thing to Lyft or whatever the, the, the technology is in di- these different countries and all. I mean, it's, it, it's not an exclusive deal, and it's only for two years. Like you said, I mean, if that is... If they do, I mean, they don't have to stay exclusive, but if they do stay exclusive, I, you're right. I think they could have a big impact on Uber turning the things around. Um, that, one thing I wanted to touch on is, Thompson, you actually touched on it before I did. I wanted to touch on it myself. It, it, I don't know enough about car development and and like actual tech development to, to answer this question. I don't know. I don't think any of us do. But um, so they have that exclusive deal for, or, I'm sorry, they had the deal for two years, 2019 to 2021. Uh, it's 24,000 cars, but the cars haven't been built yet, and the tech hasn't been completed. Like, obviously, you can't complete, but, like, the tech is just newly under development, and the cars aren't even made yet. How how worried are you about 
them having like ideas of grandeur for a couple years down the road and they haven't even started the process really yet right i'm concerned they're just beta testing on the road they say all right well your car's gonna fall what's gonna be the incentive i, I want to get in your car that's never that's been tested before um maybe they'll make it free it could be a free ride oh well, you want to yeah. try our, our beta test cars here <laughs> you get a free ride on us yeah they've done that before in pittsburgh yeah. don't they have yeah. a, like a driver there for like a uh oak crap kind of situation chaperone yes i mean basically what my take would i mean it looks like in this thumbnail picture here in 2016 they uh had the volvo xc90 self-driving car being demoed in pittsburgh so i mean it seems like this it's not like it they just started developing this technology maybe it's a little more fresh than others and more so what i would say is that you know you've lift working with uh, Waymo and Ford and Newtonomy and Drive.ai for their fleet. That sounds like a way better uh, resume, so to speak, than just we got Volvo. Um, <laughs> right. But um, I don't know. I feel like there's more to come on this story personally. Yeah. If, if it is just Volvo and Uber trying to tackle it together, I'd be very surprised. The big difference between to carry off of that um, with the, how they were field testing in Pittsburgh and how this deal could go through is this, uh, and the article does mention it, it could give Uber the first commercial fleet of cars that it owns. So yeah. most of the other cars that they were field testing, I think were on loan from universities in the area and deals that those companies had with established organizations in those cities. So this would be nice that they could deploy these anywhere because yeah. it's their fleet of cars. Yeah. So. Totally That's just. Agree. I thought that was an important point to bring because it's twenty four thousand cars. You can put them anywhere. Yeah. Sprinkle some in every city. Maybe in like a five hundred mile range or so. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know what else has a five hundred mile range? The Tesla oh, no. Tesla Semi. Yeah. So uh, Irvin and I actually covered their their live unveiling event uh, last week. And the Tesla semi truck has been unveiled with a 500 mile range at what was it, Irvin? 60 miles per hour with a full 80,000 pound load. Yep, that's yeah, pretty the ridiculous. This was what Elon said. I thought. Yeah, that's what he referred to as the worst case. This thing sounds ridiculous to me. Um, a lot uh, of without, without a trailer, um, the it goes uh, zero to 60 in uh, in five seconds. Then that's faster than my uh, current car. That's that's faster than my Model S <laughs> um, without a trailer, but still, it's a yeah. it's a lot bigger of a vehicle to move uh, zero to sixty in five seconds. Yeah. Um, still, still fairly impressive. Uh, one other thing that they announced is that they'll offer uh, not supercharging stations, but mega uh, charging stations, uh, either on route or at the destination. I'll give uh, the truck, uh, 400 miles of range in 30 minutes, yeah. uh, which is just ridiculous. And that's enough, uh, typically to, uh, for you, for the truck to drive to the destination. And while they're unloading, uh, it'll charge up and then can go back and take another load back to wherever it came from or another destination. So that's the idea behind it. Um, when it's, yeah, go ahead. When these trucks stop, like they're usually at rest stops for about an hour. Like they can be there for a while. Like, yeah. and I know, like I've seen, like you'll just see you go to you're going to Turnpike and in, in Pennsylvania, for example. Or I'm sure any highway, 
you go into a rest stop along one of those big roads and you just see like row upon row of semi just parked either they're also, yeah they're also legally required to stop mm-hmm. after a certain yeah. hours think... they can't they legally can't drive any more than us i don't know the exact number of how many hours I think no. uh, the metric we found too, I don't know if this was actually, I think Elon said this, was that the refueling time for diesel powered semi is about 15 to 20 minutes as is. Mm. So it's not a huge difference. Yeah, that's this is seriously impressive um, for a first take at a semi truck. Right. Like, And not to mention, like, this is like, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I've seen a new semi in years. <laughs> In any form, let yeah. alone the fact that it's electric. One of the- I mentioned this to Jeff while we were watching. I was like, I never thought in my life I'd be excited for a, te- a semi <laughs> launch event. Yeah. Um, but I was super excited. Um, uh, they didn't never mention price, which is very interesting. They never told us what the actual price of the truck was. Uh, the main thing that they focused on throughout the event was uh, the savings over the cost of ownership over a regular diesel truck, which I think most freight companies care about, right? How much does it cost me to run per year? If it's yeah. cheaper, it doesn't matter if it's the initial price tag is higher. If it within a year span, it still saves me money. That's fine with me. Um, I, I rather they, they would be rather, they were happy to pay a bigger, whatever amount it may be upfront. But if this saves them over time, then um, they'll be happy uh, to uh, take that upfront cost. Yeah, so they said on average it's about uh, 20% cheaper than a regular diesel truck to run uh, per year. Um, Elon also mentioned that they guarantee that this truck will not break down for a million miles. Yeah. So if you buy one of these... They Tesla standing behind this truck that it will will not break down for a million miles. miles. And it's jackknife proof. <laughs> and it's it's impressive to see. Like I'm, I just did a Google search for some stats, and um, there's the average between 100 and 110 thousand miles per year. That's and if you're not going to break down for a million, that's ten years of service easily for one of those trucks yep i but i don't want to know what the service would cost after those 10 years but uh, or you know with the upfront costs i would think that that assuming it's going to be a really big number you're probably not going to see a lot of small companies that are going to be using these like your local grocery stores or anything like that but i mean if you can imagine your huge conglomerate type companies that do a lot of freighting or maybe even big industrial or uh supply Just companies you're a robot you're a robot but yeah everyone's a robot we're all robots but um well that seems to have fixed itself now yeah i think we're good i'm not sure yeah. if i am nope not on my end be a substantial saving added for these trucks 
on top yeah, of we were looking, yeah were yeah we, could, we, we were looking at numbers right before the event jeff and i and it, it said around 70 uh dollars of that um is just the diesel cost alone that's impressive um, and what tesla also guaranteed was the price of electricity at those mega chargers mm-hmm. so they guaranteed uh seven cents per kilowatt uh for the the cost oh. of the electricity uh so depending on where you live that could be a significant savings because i know in, in california it can be it can be as high as 18 cents per kilowatt for the cost of electricity and the way that they guarantee this price is that all will most of these mega chargers will uh, mainly rely on solar energy to t- charge up uh, battery packs at the mega charger and then offload that onto these trucks once they go and and charge. So they are just running on solar energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way Tesla can guarantee they're not relying on the grid um, uh, that much. Yeah. Another way that they said that you could even improve the efficiency of having one of these cars over a regular diesel truck truck is uh, by uh, creating a convoy uh, of these uh, Tesla semi trucks. Um, so that means is, uh, let's say uh, if you uh, need three truckloads uh, of stuff to go in one warehouse, uh, you can uh, line up three of these Tesla semi trucks but you only need one driver in the very first car and the two others behind it uh, will just follow along without a driver. Um, and that um, by doing that, it actually, according to uh, Elon and Tesla, uh, that actually brings the cost down lower than uh, rail, like um, by, by transporting something via train, uh, which is kind of crazy. Not to mention, I wonder if using like kind of rotating them in and out, I wonder if you'd be able to extend the range of all three trucks by having them have less air resistance. Yes. Just by drafting off of each other. Yeah, that definitely would improve um, the efficiency. Although this car does, I mean, this truck, I should say, does have a lower drag coefficient, which I would that. translates to how much drag the air i mean the body when it goes through the the, uh, air causes um and it has a lower uh drag coefficient than a bugatti um (laughs) it's kind of insane (laughs) yeah it's it's more aerodynamic than a supercar yeah and it hauls freight (laughs) That's any other comments? I know I've been talking a lot. I'm just listening off specs. Yeah, you know, I got one. From everyone else. I'll let yeah, I got you guys one. Yeah. And chime in. The convoy scares the crap out of me in theory. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I get nervous near semis still to this day. Because they're mm-hmm. it's just at any point I feel like it's gonna get blown over on top of my car and that's gonna be it. And to <laughs> to know that the other two, I mean, it's you know, I, I have to get used to it, but to know that the other two don't have a driver in there and that it's just going to follow the other one. Like, I think there's just too much of a chance where it just ignores the cars next to them. I got to get in this lane, like, but, and just, it's going to be a nightmare. I know that that's not going to happen, but like, that's just mm-hmm. the driver and me freaking out and seeing three semi trucks all following each other. Can what I want to know that? is what happens to the convoy when they get off the highway. Yeah. That would be interesting to see. No one else can Somebody. exit. 
<laughs> so yeah. they did announce that these Tesla semis will come uh, uh, with enhanced autopilot as standard. And what that will mean in these Tesla semis in particular, that it'll automatically keep in the lane uh, without uh, the driver um, interacting with the vehicle. It won't automatically change lanes or, or things like that, that the regular cars currently do. Uh, but it will maintain a speed, maintain a, dis a safe distance uh, from other cars um, and keep itself in a certain lane. Um, so that could be fairly in uh, interesting in terms of uh, driver fatigue, right? So that uh, I know in my car, when I turn that on, it, it takes the worry out of, especially on, on, um, in bumper to bumper traffic, you just turn that on, you just let the car do its thing um you don't have to worry about as much right and it reduces the fatigue on that driver and that'll fully help might help the truck driver uh, reduce that fatigue uh as well i want to buy one of these for myself <laughs> if you want it's five thousand dollars a deposit if you want to reserve one right now um oh tesla did say that they'll start shipping these in 2019 I don't know how uh, Tesla's not good for their uh, track or keeping a, uh, a schedule uh, on yeah, time. Yeah, with the Model 3. <laughs> speaking, um, speaking of which. So, um, yeah, we'll see when they actually launch. Yeah. Wait, uh, Jeff, you wanted to say something? Yeah, speaking of which, um, not being sure about when they're actually going to deliver these things. Do you guys think this is kind of planned because of what's been going on with the Model 3? Uh, and the delay they've been seeing there. So this launch has been planned way before this Model 3 bottleneck was even announced. So they've been planning to launch this semi thing. I don't know. I don't think it's a distraction from it. Um, it might seem that way. I, I view it like I, I, I question Tesla's motives. Like, why are you just doing a semi right now? Focus on the Model 3, get those out, start shipping them. I, I do question that still. Like, why are they really uh, pursuing this so heavily? Uh, I mean, I see fucking... the potential. I know I, do, I see the potential. Like, it could be a huge market. but It's a big industry. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, get the Model 3 right. Get it out to all the people <laughs> who have pre-ordered it. And then move on to the next one. I think yeah, maybe the semi might... makes them more money. I mean. They might be biting off more than they can chew. I don't know. Yeah. Elon's good at like experimenting with the power of hype. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, Especially he better the, uh... meeting timelines. Right. Well, he, he did that. Um, Irvin, you probably know more about the the um, the boring company who was tr trying to build a test tunnel under Washington, D.C. or something like that. Was it Washington, yeah, D.C.? He's, no, he's building a, a tunnel from D.C. to New York and stops along with like Philadelphia and others. Right, mm -hmm. and he, he put the idea out there and all the city officials were like, no, 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 we never agreed to anything like this. But now that he did get some signatures from the, I feel like it was the Maryland area. Yeah, yeah, so he started some signatures, yeah. Yeah. So hype does work to a certain extent, but he likes getting others on board first, <laughs> it seems like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that, for sure. Yeah, like, I don't know as much as, I don't know as much about Tesla as everybody else, but every time we talk about them, you're right, it's all, it's... All this hype and like, yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can. Of, <laughs> yeah, a couple of years from now. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> Speaking of hype, did you guys see that weird thing that came out of the back of the semi at the end of the event? <laughs> it was a, see that? It was a magic yeah, rabbit, right? Um, yeah, it was a magic yeah. rabbit that can go zero to sixty in one point nine seconds. So a regular rabbit. Oh wait, no, that so was a Tesla the, roadster. Yeah, <laughs> Tesla did a one more thing. They pulled an apple uh, at the end of this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, keynote or whatever you want to call it this announcement so the, the all everyone knew was there yep they're just going to talk about the semi and it looks like it looked like the event was going to end jeff and i were uh watching the event live um and we were just going to discuss what we just saw about the tesla semi and the music went down and then uh all of a sudden the music started back up different kind of vibe and then uh a roadster popped out um out of the back of one of the Tesla semis, uh, version 2.0 of the Roadster has been highly anticipated for a long time. People have been asking on Twitter uh, at Elon Musk, when is the next generation Roadster coming? Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the Roadster was Tesla's original car. So the very first car that they made originally cost $250,000. Um, it was a modified Lotus Elise with Tesla uh, a Tesla motor and a battery pack. Um, the very first car, um, and people have been uh, clamoring for a uh, updated version of it. Yeah. And I, uh, Tesla delivered with the specs. We'll see if they actually pull it off. Um, but um, there's been also some clarifications on these numbers. Elon has been quoted on Twitter stating that these are base model numbers and they mm -hmm. are upgrade packages that'll improve these uh which like haven't that. been announced like, yet how fast can something go zero to 60 60 before it achieves lift and flips over right like, <laughs> like how so, like a, you become you get a plane at that point <laughs> right I, I, he did say on twitter that yeah this car might achieve lift for a short period of time if you uh floor it uh, if you're going up a little hill um yeah. that's not scary uh, at all sure and some people have even doubted that if a car can break a, re a production car can break this two second barrier to zero to 60. um yeah i don't know what are you, you guys thoughts i i saw the videos of them of the like the takeoffs and stuff that they had showing the speed and like it it looks the all the videos first off look fast forwarded so it's like it's crazy to see how fast yeah. this thing goes. And second, the, the 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 name that they gave that speed setting is probably my favorite thing ever. They they call it plaid. Yeah. So part <laughs> of plaid, and you go that fast, and you see like the little animation it plays from Spaceballs, yeah, and when they go plaid, <laughs> it's so perfect. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. Elon's a huge Spaceballs fan. Um, Spaceball fan. Um, yeah. We can list off some of the specs. So we already talked about the zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds, zero to 104.2, a quarter mile in 8.8 .8 seconds. Nuts. Um, all it says for the stop sp top speed is over 250 miles an hour. <laughs> um, they didn't say what the maximum actually will be. Um, wheel torque is an interesting number. It's 10,000 Newton meters. Um, I went online and did a conversion. Uh, that uh, converts to over 7,000 foot-pounds of torque. 
um well, at the uh, wheels i don't know if that is uh breaking the rules of physics uh i don't know <laughs> what kind of material you're using to, for, for the axle so they don't snap off uh but um it's very interesting uh mile yeah. range is uh freaking impressive 620 miles per charge going at high face highway speeds you could probably flip um, this car with your bare hands like it's probably that light <laughs> uh not with that battery pack no it's not <laughs> with, yeah. it comes with 200 kilowatt uh a battery pack which is twice the amount as the highest one you can get right now in a model s or an x um which yeah um, um yeah it has all-wheel drive base model price is two hundred thousand dollars um if you want a reservation you need to put down 50k right now if you want to reserve one of these bad boys, um, uh, no big deal. Or yeah. founder series. If you want to reserve that, you got to put down a quarter mil. Yeah, you got to have to pay full price if you want the founder series. Um, Does it come with like a Elon engraving or something? <laughs> it comes with a clone of Elon, actually. Oh, like yeah. permanent, permanent backseat passenger. Permanent, yeah. permanent DJ. That's what that is. Yeah, <laughs> it is definitely a nice looking car. Um, the fact that it seats four yeah. still blows my mind. Eh, four. He said, yeah, he said like two, mm. like two people like, plus two small people. That's how he yeah. kind of described it. Yeah, <laughs> like I, it was pretty awkward actually during the event, but <laughs> I was like, eh. it seems know. like they're steering away from the uh, Lotus look. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Uh, ferrari type or something yeah this is their own design the ferrari wasn't uh, i mean not the ferrari the lotus wasn't right so this is their first ro own roadster design um in-house from from the ground up um i mean uh, i'll be the one to say it if you need to go zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds you've made some mistakes along the way <laughs> like yeah. You need to reevaluate your life if you're like, oh, I need this car because I need to be places in two, like zero to 60 in two seconds. It's not because you oh, need man. to be. It's because you want to be. It's because you're always late. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always late. It's for the ultimate procrastinator. Right. <laughs> you overslept. Yeah, you, how how you much like... is your sleep worth? <laughs> Just shaving 10 seconds off of it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Probably puts Pop-Tarts in the microwave instead of the toaster. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't rewind the VHS tapes. <laughs> Is that because uh, it next, goes... The next closest car that comes any close to the, this type of performance costs $3 million. Uh, so at $200,000, this is a bargain. Wait, what's the uh, next closest? The Bugatti? The, the Bugatti, yep. Yeah. The Chiron? Yeah, $300 million for that one. Three, wait, three million or three hundred million? Yeah, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, one is uh, one's an expensive car, and one is the GDP of a small nation. <laughs> I have to say that I don't know if a song would be as catchy as was if it was "I Woke Up in a New Tesla." Yeah. I don't know. It depends on the beat, I guess. But yeah, I woke up in a new roadster. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop now. Yeah, sing it. Eighties jukebox jams. Yeah. So we need a saxophone in there too. Oh, we got we got the sax player right here, Ryan yeah. Thompson. Oh man, we got yeah. this. Thompson, did but, you get um, that? Did you get that saxophone at a music store? Or did you get it delivered to you? 
Uh, I got in a music store back, uh, back in the day. Uh, <laughs> not UPS. Not UPS. Uh, well, <laughs> we got news about UPS. <laughs> I was about to transition. <laughs> I did it for you. I did it for you, Slavin. Thank you. Yeah, shout, shout out for the title. I always oh, got my back. I'm the people's champ. <laughs> uh, <laughs> UPS is uh, working with the New York New York State Energy Research and Development Authority to develop new technology, switching from diesel fuel delivery vehicles to electric power. So, uh, I'm not really sure if this acronym is any easier to say than the whole thing, but let's just go with the New York State Energy Research is looking to provide a half a million dollars to provide uh, help develop the technology, and they're hoping that there'll be a production. Uh, ready version by spring 2018 and that by 2022 uh, they'll switch over over one and a half thousand trucks or uh, two-thirds of the fleet operating in new york uh, city that's good yeah um definitely a good direction a city like new york kind of needs this shift in my opinion uh with all the emissions in a place like that i Uh, i want to say it's the perfect direction but a half a million dollars seems like a drop in the bucket. <laughs> like even for a concept, like they're building a concept truck, a half a million dollars in parts, maybe you'd be lucky to get one concept model out of that. Well, state energy research and development. So you're talking public government donating a half million dollars, uh, partnering with UPS. I mean, I, it's for the betterment, but I don't know if they if they're putting more money in. I, I, I get what you're saying though. Sixty six percent of the fleet. Why not go for the full hundred? Like, there you, go. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, actually, what's impressive is the timeline for only half a million is they're able to switch over more than half of their fleet. Yeah, it's quick, that's, right? That's impressive, and something that I think should follow very closely from this would be the U.S. Postal Service. Those like weird box trucks you see driving around. Like those would be the perfect vehicle to just strap an electric engine onto. It's cheap. They're built onto a the frame of a Ford Focus, so they're the frame is easy to source. Or not Ford Focus, a Ford Explorer. I was so gonna say to yeah, Focus. <laughs> but um Matt, I get the feeling is, if I come over to your place, there's gonna be one of those and you're like out front and you're building it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the second or third time you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think they're perfect for it. I don't know. I think those cars are the absolute perfect thing for it. But yeah, you, good on you. I feel like the <laughs> I feel like the the U.S. Postal Service trucks are kind of like the polar opposite of the aerodynamic design of the Tesla. <laughs> like yeah. one is built to like <laughs> cascade air around it, and the other one is just like a box on wheels. <laughs> Yeah, that's the baseline for the coefficient tests. Like, can you pass a U.S. Postal Service truck in your drag coefficient? Congratulations, you have a car. Could you double as a brick for a wall? <laughs> yeah, you can. Just- if so, you may be qualified to deliver mail. Not the driver, just to be clear. The truth of the truck. <laughs> oh man, I'm full of regret. <laughs> yeah, I I just want to drive one one time so I can drive. You know on the right side of the car instead of the left side that's all i want yeah yeah it's the best but uh, i'm just happy that ups is actually making a step because those trucks need an update and the <laughs> fact that they're going from gas to electric is good what if they just got the frame so it's still that big ugly truck and they just put the new parts in <laughs> <laughs> that would be fine it's still the same old gross truck but it seems dense and all just like <laughs> don't even soup up nothing just 
if they're getting rid of if they're swapping out 66 percent of their fleet they must have been due for an upgrade you know what i mean like yeah. that's a big number to just dive in on i feel like yeah. they, those trucks are probably pretty beat up they're probably ready for something fresh yeah 66 like, repair the ones that we have uh yeah yeah Coincidentally, 66% of their fleet is also on the verge of a major failure of hardware. In yeah, five exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, elsewhere. Another upgrade uh, is coming, electrifying uh, of another type of vehicle. Is uh, Mercedes-Benz is getting into the game of upgrading city buses uh, to go electric in 2018. Uh, I'm so happy that all the boring cars are getting updated to electric. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> Semi trucks, buses, mail. This is great. Yeah. You got to get the infrastructure. Yeah. Over a dozen cities recently pledged to make their uh, bus fleets all electric by 2030. Among them were LA and Seattle. Um, so Mercedes is getting the game to start testing. Um, it, Mercedes says has begun testing prototypes in it, quote unquote, e extreme conditions like the icy roads of the Arctic Circle <laughs> and on the sweltering tarmac of Spain's Sierra Nevada. Um, so they're, they're taking to these um, buses to the extremes so that they can pre stress test these to ensure that they perform well in all kinds of conditions. Which can you is imagine being like stranded in the snow in the Arctic Circle and like rushing past you goes like a Seattle city bus <laughs> 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 for the testing? You made a How wrong turn, man. That <laughs> that's that's good though. They are testing it. They should also test it in Philadelphia just because of. At our roads are. I, I know this isn't going to happen, but like we hear all these stories about like, oh, let's test them in extreme conditions. I'm wondering if there's going to be like some loophole when you go to just moderate conditions where they just fail for some reason that you didn't test. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sorry, we were at least expecting a tornado. This isn't going to work. Exactly. <laughs> Banana peels, man. Banana peel. <laughs> oh, Okay, so I have to tell you guys this. My buddy is in Japan right now, just because you made me think of it, Thompson. And he said that uh, <laughs> there is a bridge outside of his hotel called the Rainbow Bridge. What? And, um, <laughs> and he said that every morning he has been woken up to the sound of guys coming out of the bottom of the, the building that he's in. All dressed like Mario Kart characters, all driving <laughs> over the Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. He says every day. <laughs> Oh, uh, continue. We have stuff like that in Philadelphia, where a bunch of people drive by on ATVs, but I haven't seen any of them in Mario. <laughs> yeah, it's not Mario yeah. themed. Not it's not Mario themed yet, Slavin. Yeah, give it time. They're, they're, they're moving that way. <laughs> Someone with a green hat the other day. I have a Luigi hat in my car. Just saying. But anyway, Mercedes Benz making a move to go electric. Cool news. Positive news. Uh, and then, but do, real quick, before, do you guys know? Uh, are they what kind of commitment they have made to uh, to making their regular cars electric, or is it just this bus fleet? Or I remember them. I know it wasn't related to the story, but I don't know if you guys know it off. If Mercedes Benz is doing anything electric, or like has any plan, uh, immediate plans to do anything electric? I'm pretty I sure know. they said they were going to make it. Go ahead, Irvin. Sorry. I'm, I'm. I'm. I know we mentioned a lot of companies. Pledging car companies, pledging like Volvo in previous episodes. 
I don't remember a Mercedes Benz specifically, but yeah. yeah. So the news we we actually covered it, I think, like back in early fall or something. But um, the parent company of Mercedes Benz was trying to offer electric versions of all of its cars by 2022. Um, I'm not sure about my. I'm not sure about migrating like all of them, but they're at least yeah they're making a push in that direction at least um yeah i was gonna say it's either a trend or or could lead to you know to work with their regular car so that's yeah. uh it's just cool like you said it is cool and there's some new uh tech apparently being developed um I believe it was a patent uh or at least an announcement by fisker about uh yeah filed patents for solid state lithium ion batteries and it's uh, expecting to produce them on a mass scale by 2023 or so. So about five years from now. Um, but what they're saying they can do with these batteries is really cool. Um, I know it's a, a little bit of a wait, but they're saying that they can uh, develop, they're developing batteries that have two and a half times the uh, energy density of current batteries. Uh, they should be capable of providing a 500-mile driving range, so akin to what we were hearing from Tesla with those uh, huge semi-trucks. And But the biggest thing for me, at least, is that they're saying that those batteries could be recharged in as little as a minute. That is insane. It is insane. And a game-changer. So that can be rolled out into cars. That That makes electric more of a time-saver and a money-saver than gas yeah and like a, in a, every way apparently the technology is going to have a less a much less risk of uh fires or explosions occurring in relation to these batteries yeah so, so like samsung's yeah, happy about that <laughs> 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 yeah if you can make these phone size that would be great yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like sweating it's like oh we gotta we gotta keep an eye on this one yeah, it'd be great for phones. Like, oh crap, I forgot to charge my phone overnight. Just plug it in, and you're like a, a second later. It's like, yep, you're full, ready to go. Yeah, yeah. as long as you could maintain like the battery life, which it sounds like you can. It sounds like they're gonna last maybe even longer than some batteries that exist now. Uh, yeah. Charging throughout the day, like frequently, is gonna be a thing of the past. I would think. Even going off of that energy density, you could make things thinner. You could, if you didn't want to make things thinner, you could always um, just have the same size battery. And whatever you would possibly lose in battery capacity, you would gain back in the density you would now have Yeah. of the amount of charge you could store. I don't know if I, so, like, with a, like, I mean, we're talking cars here, which, you know, yeah. energy density is a pretty big deal there. But we were talking about, um, like, a phone. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd want something too much thinner than this. Because if you think about how much of that area is a battery if you yeah. were to half that or you know yeah well, i was thinking i was kind of going off the car thing when i said thinner because okay. like this the skate for teslas but I, I know apple's looking to make things thinner so maybe they'll have a iphone that's like a piece of paper i mean Irvin, how 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 what percentage of your car is battery weight weight uh i'd say at least a third so you know, if you take a significant amount of that away, that thing's going to be much lighter. And yeah. you could also potentially have electric aircraft at that at that weight. You definitely, yeah. 
Amen. Because that's one of the most biggest hinders right now to for creating those mm-hmm. type of vehicles is the weight. Um, for sure. Yeah, because if you can take a battery that has this insane amount of energy density, less risk of fire or anything, and stick it in something the size of the fuselage of like a Boeing 747, you could very easily have a substitute for an airliner. And this is thinking way down the line, but like that's something that definitely could be an option in the future. And I mean, yeah. air airplanes are horrendously like bad for the environment. Yeah. What about what about rockets? Yeah, could be it. Long term, this could. That would be pretty nuts. I learned by reading this article that I had no idea that I was a thing. Um, so one of the members of um the the team who's developing. Um, this uh, type of technology for uh, Fisker was a co-founder of a company called uh, Sakti3 uh, that was uh, formed back in, or that was researching solid state technology back in 2011. Uh, that company was purchased by Dyson, vacuum cleaner company. Um, and uh, Dyson is currently... Uh, Planning to produce an electric car by 2020. I didn't hear about this. I didn't know. But why is Dyson getting into the electric car business? Do you think its wheels are going to look like its fans? It's going <laughs> to look like this. It's going to be stylish. <laughs> you look, if you click on one of the links, there's a mock-up and it looks hilarious. Oh, man. It looks like a Dyson fan somehow. <laughs> I think so, someone literally just took like a hand vacuum and like flipped it over and then added <laughs> wheels to it. <laughs> someone, someone is having fun in Photoshop for yeah, sure. That's, that's yeah, that's all that is. <laughs> but it's just yeah. great. Like Dyson is getting into the electric car business, which is crazy. I found that. I ne- I didn't know that. Um, I just found that really interesting. I wonder how their intakes would be, like air intakes, if there was... I guess you wouldn't need one if it's electric. But... If anybody knows air intake, it's Dyson. That's what I'm saying. Like... <laughs> right. The only thing you, you need for an electric car is to cool the battery pack. Um... <laughs> Put a Dyson fan facing it. Battery-powered turbine engines. There you go. How's this? <laughs> yeah. It's a hairier car. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this, this is awesome. This is great news for batteries, and everyone like knows that batteries is probably the biggest hindrance in electronics, let alone cars or phones or anything. But just battery technology is very, very behind. Yeah, and yeah. it's in desperate need of a of a revamp. So very cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I'm, I think I'm gonna leave the show on a high note, guys. What do you think? I'm okay with that. Sounds good. So, to all you listeners and viewers out there, it's the end of an era. Facebook is finally getting rid of those pesky app invites. Oh, thank God. Yeah, so um, your third-party app invites are going away, a.k.a. if you are sick and tired of getting Farmville and Candy Crush invites, you won't see them ever again. People are gonna be so much happier now. Cute, it's man. gonna be like the Pokemon Go days. This is this is <laughs> <laughs> this is like six years overdue in my opinion, but still awesome, yeah. awesome news. Um, celebrate 
listeners, yeah. viewers, celebrate because you're not going to get peer pressured into donating to your friend's farm anymore. Yeah. Also, yeah, if you're the people who sent those invites, you're part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to tell the people who were who were into those things that get them in while you can, you know? It's, it's gone That's away. true. Our message of everybody. Last send them all to Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get thousands of Farmville requests now. If someone, finds, if someone finds yeah. a workaround for this, they're going to be one rich puppy. Oh, God. I'm already being the, the pessimist. Sorry. Uh, good, the good note is that it's gone <laughs> no, for no, now. Know, You're Come at on. least going to get a break from this. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, that's that's my uptick for the week. I'm happy. It well, made me feel you. better. Yeah, thank you. No problem. It's a little better than birds taking out power lines, right? Yeah, okay. that's true. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> uh, but with that being said... um. As for us, even though there is no way I could have transitioned that, um, you can find us on uh, Facebook without invites. We don't have a mass invite system. You can find us on Twitter. Um, you can find us on Instagram, all at Industry40, all spelled out. Um, if you're listening on audio, um, you can catch us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Uh, our RSS feed has hit pretty much every app that I've tried on Android, and I know iOS only has podcast maybe one or two more i don't know but um also we now simulcast on twitch and youtube as of the last episode so if you want to catch us live now there's more ways in which to do so so with that being said this has been episode 28 of industry 4.0 and i look forward to seeing you guys in the next one we